Hi, and welcome to the Passionistas Project Podcast, where we talk with women who are following their passions to inspire you to do the same. We're Amy and Nancy Harrington, and today we're talking with Gabrielle Claiborne. Her company, Transformation Journeys Worldwide, is a cutting-edge, transgender-focused inclusion training and consulting firm. Her passion is teaching businesses, religious and civic organizations, schools and educational institutions, healthcare providers, and municipalities what they need to know to create an environment of belonging for transgender, gender nonconforming, and non-binary patients, customers, colleagues, congregants, and kids. At Transformation Journeys Worldwide, they believe that when all people are respected and empowered, we all win, and our world becomes a better place. So please welcome to the show, Gabrielle Claiborne. Thank you so much for having me. It's it's such a joy to be with you today. Well, we can't wait to share your story with our listeners and to have this conversation. We've been very excited for it. Great, great. What would you say is the one thing you're most passionate about? Most passionate about is making sure that when I wake up in the morning, that I that I lean into that day with with every fiber of my being and that I show up in the in the best way that I can show up in integrity with who I know myself to be authentically, hopefully uh, and uh, given the opportunity to inspire others to live their highest uh, as their highest and best self. That is one thing that I try to do every time I wake up in the morning. Tell us how you help other people do that through your company, Transformation Journeys Worldwide, and the path to starting that company. Early on in my transition, I I have always felt purposeful as an individual. And early on in my transition, I wanted to find what was mine to do. And so uh, as I... uh, as I began exploring, you know, what was mine to do, I actually started seeing a life coach and she taught me how to live out of my heart space. And when I started living out of my heart space, I realized that I did not have to find what was mine to do. The more that I showed up authentically and embracing my truth of who I was, then opportunities and doors opened up for me and and allowed me to step into new spaces that allowed me to show up more authentically, uh, more powerfully, owning my own voice. And as a result of that, seven years ago, uh, my business partner and I co-founded our uh, transgender inclusion and training firm, Transformation Journeys Worldwide. So today we help a myriad of organizations, whether it's Fortune 100, 500 companies, whether it's mental or medical healthcare providers, whether it's educational institutions, spiritual communities, and even municipalities on their journey of transforming their environments into fully inclusive cultures for transgender nonconforming and non-binary individuals. And this has been a labor of love for me in many ways. I I guess you could say that I live my work, uh, so to speak. You know, I wake up every morning not really feeling like I'm going to work because I'm showing up advocating for my transgender nonconforming and non-binary siblings. And uh, it just, it gives me a great joy to know that every day that I, that I step into this world, that I'm living a purposeful life and I'm hopefully making it possible for someone who is coming behind me in their own journey of authenticity to be a little easier. So we're helping these, 
these cultures uh, create these inclusive uh, spaces for these individuals to show up so that they can live authentically in these spaces. So I find great joy and, and a world-changing purpose as a result of that. Talk a little bit about why it's important to give these organizations the tools that they need and that you're offering so that they can create that respectful space for all gender identities and expressions. Well, the reason it's important is because uh, this is a growing demographic. Uh, just a couple of months ago, uh, the Williams Institute came out with a statistic that in the US, there are 1.2 million non-binary individuals. And in 2017, a Harris poll revealed a statistic that 12% of millennials identify as some form of trans or non-binary. So this is one of the business case reasons for why organizations are really leaning into this conversation, understanding what they need to do in order to be an employer of choice for this demographic. So what they're understanding is that this journey of uh, creating this inclusive culture is not only, does it not only require a personal cultural competency of their employers, of employees, excuse me, but it also requires them to look at their organizational cultural competency. So in our trainings, we offer individuals strategies and uh, suggestions on how to interact respectfully with this demographic, understanding how to navigate the conversation around pronouns respectfully, right? Because we can no longer make assumptions around, you know, what pronoun an individual uses, especially those individuals who identify as some form of gender non-conforming or non-binary who uses they, them, or theirs, or even z, zir, and zir uh, pronouns as their personal pronouns. We also share uh, strategies with them on how to push back on offensive jokes and comments. And while th why this is important for not only the trans and gender non-conforming or non-binary individual in the workplace, but also for those colleagues who may have TGNC MB's children or um, family members, right? So these are some of the reasons why organizations are really leaning into this conversation. And you know, the good thing, the thing that we help our audiences understand is that sometimes it requires getting comfortable with being uncomfortable in the spirit of learning to do better. And the good news is, is there are a lot of organizations that are really wanting to be intentional in creating, having spaces for these courageous conversations and creating these inclusive cultures. So they're taking it to the next level and looking at things like their policies, their restrooms, how they uh, connect, not only within the four walls of their organization, but how they're showing up outside of their organization through their supplier diversity initiatives, through their uh, involvement in local LGBTQ uh, communities like the LGBTQ Chamber of Commerce or their local pride. So there's a lot of moving parts and pieces that require an organization to create this culture. And it is a journey. It is not a destination. And that's one thing these organizations are really recognizing. What does it mean to you to be able to have this kind of impact on all these different types of organizations and beyond into the culture beyond their work? I appreciate you bringing that question up because I'll never forget the first time that Gabrielle showed up in corporate America, fully aligned, 
right? I will never forget sitting in the lobby of our one of our first clients. And I looked at my business partner. We were waiting on our, our, our client to come out and greet us. And I looked at her and I said, Linda, do you realize what is just about to happen? We, I am, we are about to show up in this space fully authentic for the very first time. And I reflect back over that moment because it was a surreal experience for me. And it's a surreal experience knowing that not only I experienced that, but other individuals had the opportunity to show up in spaces within these organizations who were doing the work to have that same experience. And to know that you're you're moving the needle every time you're showing up. It just, it does my heart good to know that I am leaving a legacy for folks that hopefully have a path that is a little easier than the path that I had to navigate. So, you know, again, I wake up every morning feeling like I'm not going to work. I just feel like that I'm showing up advocating for those who need to be advocated for. So it's it's just a great joy. And, you know, when we have folks, you know, now we're seven years into our iteration as a business. Now we're having folks reach out to us as opposed to us reaching out and marketing our services to prospective clients. And knowing that these folks are actually finding us and saying, hey, we heard you do this work. We want to start the conversation, but we don't know where to start. Can you help us? Knowing that they're reaching out to us and they're finding us wanting to have these conversations just really makes this the work that we're doing all the more rewarding. You said that the transgender community and the non-binary communities, the demographic is growing. So is the opportunity for businesses like this also growing? Do you find that there are more companies reaching out to you and, and what are they asking for? Why do they come to you? Is there a specific reason or incident that makes them reach out to you? They're recognizing that in order for them to be an employer of choice, that they have to get on board. And here's the thing, you know, we all know that the, the workplace demographic is changing. I mean, just in three or four years, millennials will make up 75% of the workplace. And there was a recent Pew Research poll that uh, in 2018 that indicated that while millennials personally knew someone, 25% of millennials personally knew someone who uses gender neutral pronouns, Gen Zers, 36% of Gen Zers personally knew someone who, was, who uses gender neutral pronouns or they, them, and theirs as their pronouns. So you can see with the, uh, with the, in, the advancements of generations, these generations are becoming more gender inclusive. So in order for them to set themselves up as that employer of choice and to attract and retain that talent in the workplace, they're really recognizing the need to get on board and they are doing just that. And so when they approach us, they're, you know, a lot of times our, our clients don't know what they don't know. So we kind of help them understand, you know, first of all, when we have that, that first call with them where we have a disclosure conversation of just kind of where you are on your own journey of, of understanding gender diversity, we kind of understand from that perspective how to guide them of where to start, whether it's at a trans 101 or whether it's a more focused training for HR, talent acquisition, or even IT. 
so it, it, it depends on where they are. Meeting them where they are is important, but uh, making sure that they understand, and this is the one thing that we try to impress on our clients is that this is not just a 60 or 90 minute conversation. This is a commitment to a journey. You know, while you may have a, a 90 minute one-on-one -on -one training with your company, there's much more work to do. So there are other organizations like my, my company who are actually working with organizations, setting them up for success for these gender diverse demographics. And so do you work with companies long-term? Do you help them set up kind of ongoing programs to continue the education? We do all the above, yes and. You know, we meet a client where they are, by the way, to, to your earlier question, oftentimes clients reach out to us when someone is transitioning in the workplace. You know, th this is perhaps their first gender diverse individual who is showing up authentically in the workplace. And so consequently, they want to make sure that they're doing the right thing, not only for this employee, but for all the other employees and colleagues around this individual. So <clears throat> making sure that th this is oftentimes you know, how, why clients are reaching out to us, you know, when they're uh, wanting to, wanting support. We're doing a 90 minute one-on-one -on -one training with clients. We are actually supporting clients throughout their, their entire journey of creating inclusive culture for gender diverse individuals, which uh, requires us to look at training, specific trainings, like I mentioned earlier for HR managers, you know, how does a manager uh, support a gender diverse individual on their team, whether they are hired on or whether that individual transitions on their team. How does a manager support that individual as well as manage, you know, the other members of that team? You know, we offer support for uh, facility individuals who are creating these in this inclusive all gender restrooms and workplaces, understanding, you know, steps that you need to take in order to make them work for not only trans individuals that identify as binary women or men, but also non-binary individuals who identify as some form of male or female or a combination of both. So uh, it, it is a journey. And we just recently had a client of ours, UPS, who actually rolled out a uh, initiative around their dress code policy, making it inclusive for their non-binary individuals. And UPS has, almost 500,000 employees globally. So we were very instrumental in helping, helping that client roll out that uh, inclusive uh, dress code policy. So that was, a, a, we, we felt like that was a huge win for us. So again, meeting our clients where they are and supporting them as their needs come up that they need support in. So how can people find uh, Transformation Journeys worldwide and what can they expect when they approach you? I am all over the social medias. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Our website is transformationjourneysww.com. And I'll also let uh, the audience know that we have a wonderful resource page for you to use as a, a learning tool for you, wherever you are on your journey of understanding and interacting respectfully with gender diverse individuals. We have a lot of uh, terms and definitions. We have a lot of videos 
and it's specific for a specific market. So again, we're trying to meet our, our prospective clients where they are so that they can see themselves in our work. And a great way to reach out to us is you can go to our contact page on our website, send us an email, and we will be uh, responsive to that uh, inquiry and get back with you. And we can set up a call to talk about next steps. You're listening to the Passionistas Project podcast and our interview with Gabrielle Claiborne. To learn more about her work, visit transformationjourneysww.com. If you're enjoying this interview and would like to help us to continue creating inspiring content, please consider becoming a patron by visiting thepassionistasproject.com backslash podcast and clicking on the patron button. Even $1 a month can help us continue our mission of inspiring women to follow their passions. Now here's more of our interview with Gabrielle. You've talked a little bit about living authentically. So why is that so important and how has living authentically transformed your life personally? I think I have to go back a little bit to answer that question. And I would start at when I was eight years old or even a little younger, you know, I when I was a young child, I knew that there was something different about me. You know, I, I grew up in a very conservative environment. My daddy is a Pentecostal preacher. I'm actually a fourth generation Pentecostal preacher's kid. So, and this was long before the days of the internet. So I didn't have the language to understand, you know, what was going on inside of me. So consequently, I did what culture expects of a cisgender male to do. I got married to a beautiful woman. We had three amazing children. I had a very successful career owning multiple businesses in the construction industry. And I was a, a very a prominent leader in our church, a large church here in the Atlanta area, Atlanta, Georgia area. And so by all outward appearances, you know, I had life by the tail, but the reality was I was living a life of turmoil because of this internal gender dilemma, which I still had no words to describe. I was 45 years old. I accidentally stumbled across a website showing pictures of trans women. And when I saw these images, immediately I knew that's me. So I spent the next five years doing online research, living between the exhilaration of knowing that's me and the despair of thinking, I can never live my life as a woman. That would change my world, turn my world upside down. But after going through all of this turmoil, I finally decided to get help. And it was then in my online research, I found a woman by the name of Ramona who actually made a living dressing biological males as women. Now, this just goes to show you that you can find anything on the internet if you're looking for it. Well, I finally mustered the courage to make an appointment with her on the day of the appointment. As I'm driving to her home, I was just, I was a nervous wreck. But as soon as she, as soon as she greeted me at her door and ushered me upstairs to her dressing salon, I thought I had died and gone to heaven. And so she spent the next few hours dressing me head to toe in my true feminine expression with the the clothes the heels the wig the makeup the jewelry the accessories and when she got done she walked away and I saw myself in the mirror for the very first time I was 45 I was 49 years old and meeting myself for the very first time and it was then I knew that's me 
So I answered that question by saying, because I lived so long inauthentically, I knew, and there were a number of invitations in my life that invited me to get honest with what my heart was saying about who I was as a person. Long ago, even though I met myself, you know, 40 years later after living an authentic life. And so meeting myself the very first time set me on the course of finding what was mine to do. And it turned my life upside down with my family, with my children, with my parents and sister, who, by the way, have chosen not to have any contact with me since coming out 11 years ago. Uh, with my vocation, with my spiritual community. So uh, understanding these perceived risk and pain that I might experience, I realized over the course of the last years, last 11 years, <clears throat> that they pale in comparison to living an inauthentic life and waking up at the end of my life and looking back and saying, did I do all I could do? to be in integrity with who I was created to be. So I've learned that the power of authenticity sets us up for success. Yes, the path to authenticity is not a straight line. And yes, it has some bumps and difficulties along the way. But the view on the other side of authenticity is like no other. So talk a little bit about those bumps. like. Give, give some advice to someone who might be contemplating going through this, not quite sure of the steps to take, and, and, the, and the biggest stumbling block perhaps is that reaction from family and friends. And do you have any advice for people going through that? The first response is buy my book. <laughs> Embrace Your Truth, The Journey of Authenticity, uh, which came out last year. It is a memoir meets self-help book. Uh, which is uh, a, a capitulation of my personal transition story, but it's also an invitation to, an indiv to those individuals who are looking to embrace an aspect of their own authentic authenticity, whatever that looks like for them. You know, it just so happens that one aspect of my authentic authenticity is my gender identity, that I am a transgender woman. But I am so much more than just a transgender woman. So the book was written for also the larger audience. But some of the things that I had to learn along the way was, I talk about in chapter two, the importance of building a support system. Because anytime we undertake a significant aspect of our truth, stepping into our truth, a lot of time that's a lot of times that step or those subsequent steps are going to impact those around us. So it's important to understand that this is not a journey to be traveled alone. So it's important to build that support system around you that is going to be there when you can't get out of bed. I remember nights after night waking up with my pillow drenched with my tears because of the reaction that my family was having, you know, towards my transition and learning how do I navigate that to be in integrity with who I know myself to be and at the same time, honor them and honor their journey of where they're trapping and where they are, right? So this support system is crucial to be able to, to be, for, be there for you as you're navigating that journey. 
another thing I learned was to honor the voice of my heart. You know, as I was growing up, I was taught to not pay attention to your, your intuition or your feelings because they will mislead you. Oh my goodness, was I misled? Because as I've learned over the course of my journey of embracing my truth, that it was actually my heart talking to me through you know, my dreams, through my bodily symptoms, through my intuitions. Our hearts talk to us in five languages and understanding that I should pay attention to those things in order to live my most authentic life and understanding how to do that. I, that's why I had to go see that life coach for a year. And she told me, she taught me how to get out of my head and into my heart and listen to my heart. And what I realized and learned over the course of that year was that I can do that and that my heart will not mislead me. I also learned the importance of holding space for those who are in my life and allow them to travel their journeys around what whatever you know my journey of authenticity looks like for me and how it implicates them right or the impacts that it has on them because you know a lot oftentimes a lot of friends who are embarking on a similar journey that I've traveled the last 11 years they they ask me say Gabrielle how did you navigate this with your family your spouse and your kids and I try to support them and, and help them understand that even though this is our journey, it's also their journey as well. And you can't expect them to turn on a dime. You know, when I saw myself for the very first time, met myself in the mirror, it would have been unreasonable for me to then approach my family and say, here I am, this is the new me, and expect them to welcome me with open arms. And in fact, it took me two years before I actually approached all of my family members and let them know who I was. And then it's, it's been the last nine years of navigating those journeys with them, holding space for them, allowing them to grieve the loss of the person that they thought they knew, right? And then redefining what it looks like moving forward you know one of the one of the things that we have really my family speaking uh, you know speaking of my children and my ex-spouse one of the things that we've had to learn to navigate is you know the special rec uh, dates of recognition that we uh, recognize here in the U.S. like Father's Day you know how do we celebrate Father's Day now do you are you still our father or what does that work? What does that look like for you? So it's having those courageous conversations, often difficult, oftentimes difficult conversations with your kids, understanding that you still want to be there for them as their parent, but finding a place, finding a space, finding a, uh, a resolution that works for you and works for them. So those are just a few of the things that I've learned over the course of my journey. I, I'll, I'll share one other uh, uh, bit of information with the audience, and that is I encourage you to also check out my TED Talk, Building Your Courage Muscles, because in that TED Talk, I'll talk about three things that we all have to do, regardless of what truth we're trying to unearth within us to step more into our authenticity. And the one is listening to your heart, as I mentioned previously. The other one is not, not necessarily 
needing to have a roadmap before you take that first courageous step. I know when I came out, I, I had to listen to my heart. And I, it wasn't until I took that first courageous step that I learned what my second and third and fourth steps were. It was that first step that informed those steps. And it, it was after taking that courageous step that those second, third, and fourth steps became a little easier. And as I took those steps, I became, I became more courageous and, and bold in stepping into those steps. And also the, the final thing is understanding that, you know, the journey of authenticity is not a destination. The journey of authenticity is just that. It's a journey. And we, every day, how we show up today determines our tomorrow. And so it's important to live in the moment, learn what we have to live today so that as we approach tomorrow, we're setting ourselves up for success. You've been on this journey for 11 years, but in writing the book, was there something that you discovered about yourself from that process that surprised you? That book has been the most vulnerable piece of work that I've done to date because I laid it all on the line. I, I shared with the reader the things that, that, you know, I made mistakes with in my past and coming to terms with those things. I mean, you know, over the course of my journey, I've, I've learned the importance of recognizing and reframing those failures, those disappointments as invitations, as opposed to things that, that I'm not good enough or that I'm, you know, that I should be guilt, uh, shameful for, right? Uh, but writing the book invited me to deal a little bit more with forgiving myself and working through that grief process, you know, being gentle with myself. And I will tell you, as I wrote aspects, parts of this book, parts of the book, there were these feelings that came up again. And I had to, I had to grieve things. I had to go through the forgiveness process again. I thought I was done with this, only to learn that there was more work to do. So yeah, writing this book uh, has been the most vulnerable way that I've shown up. But I'll, this is one thing I've also learned that it was, it was also a way that I could that I could show myself and honor, honor me for, for having navigated those difficult moments in my life. And to, to say, you know, that if I can do that, then there's other things that I'm ultimately going to face down the road that I'm going to have to navigate. But I, you know, part, part of writing the book allowed me to build those milestones in my life that I could look back to when I needed courage and, and, and encouragement and think, well, if I did there, if I made it to there, I can keep moving forward. I can take that next step. So it is a vulnerable piece of work, but I feel like the more we're vulnerable, I think that invites other folks to be vulnerable with themselves as well. So how can we as allies best support the LGBTQIA plus community? Well, a couple of things that you can do is you can educate yourself. The good thing is that there are so many great resources out on the internet right now that you can, you can invest in your own education. You know, 
oftentimes I think organizations and individuals make the mistake of relying on their trans friends, their trans family members, their trans colleagues to educate them. But not every trans, gender non-conforming and non-binary individual wants to bear the burden for educating you as an ally. So we're, we're all about supporting you in your journey, but we're also wanting you to take the initiative uh, and the responsibility, right? to do your own work. And when you do your own work, when you take that initiative to do your own work, you're gonna learn a lot. That's why I shared our resources page in the earlier conversation, because it's a great resource that you can use to educate yourself. Another thing that you can do is understand how to use pronouns. You know, like I said earlier, we cannot make assumptions about what pronoun an individual uses, especially in our new virtual world, right? If we're on a call with a gender diverse individual and we're not identifying their pronouns or we're not giving them the opportunity to identify their pronouns, especially a non-binary individual that uses they, them, and theirs, we're not acknowledging them for who they are. So being intentional and in creating these spaces to use your, you know, to where you can use your pronouns goes a long way in normalizing our experience and helping us feel like not only are we safe, but this is a space where we can belong. Your pronouns in your uh, email signature. If you have bios on your website, putting your pronouns there as well. When you introduce yourself, you know, how are you introducing yourself? How do you navigate that conversation with your gender diverse friend, family member, or colleague? And what we recommend is, you know, when you introduce yourself, you say, hi, my name is Gabrielle and my pronouns are she, her, how about you? What the how about you does is it sends a message to the person that you're talking with that one, you understand the importance of pronouns and two, that you want to connect with them in a respectful way. And you're not placing the burden on them to educate you on the importance of pronouns. You know, and when, when you start doing this and you know, don't think that you won't make a mistake because the question is not if, it's when. We're going to all make mistakes in the spirit of learning to do better. And if you make a mistake, you simply apologize. You don't make a big deal about it. You say, look, I'm sorry. I'm commit. I'm still learning. I'm committed to do better and do better. You know, as trans people, we understand that when someone innocently mispronouns or misgenders us in the spirit of learning to do better, as opposed to when someone does it deliberately. You know, another thing that you can do as allies is understand, understand, understand why it's important not to dead name us. Dead naming us is using our pre-transition name. This is very, this is considered very dis disrespectful by trans people. Another thing you can do is avoid curious questions about anatomy or surgeries. You know, an our anatomy has nothing to do with our identity. They're completely different, right? It doesn't define who we are as people. And the same thing with surgeries. You know, not all trans, gender non-conforming, and non-binary individuals may elect to pursue all aspects of physical transitions. One, it may not be their personal journey. And two, they may not have the resources to pursue all of these aspects of physical transitions. So understand and, and avoid use asking questions those curious questions goes a long way in showing respect. And those are just a few things that you can do. So what's your dream for the TGNCNB community? Oh my goodness. 
my dream for my community is just what I said earlier, is for folks to recognize that we have more in common than not, that we are just another expression of the human experience, that our gender identity is just one aspect of all that we bring to the table, of all that we bring to the conversation, of all that we bring to a relationship, of all that we bring to a workplace, right? We have, we are, we are qualified individuals. We are competent individuals. And if you give us a chance, we will show you that we can, we can set your organization on fire. You know, we can set yourself, your organization up for success. We can create, we can help create an inclusive environment in your organization that improves innovation, that improves your collaboration, right? And ultimately improves your bottom line. But it starts getting comfortable with getting uncomfortable and having those courageous conversations and, re and really understanding you know, who we are as human beings. We are first human beings. And then all of the other intersections that we bring, then those things show up. Thanks for listening to the Passionistas Project podcast and our interview with Gabrielle Claiborne. To learn more about her work, visit transformationjourneysww.com. Please visit thepassionistasproject.com to learn more about our podcast and subscription box filled with products made by women-owned businesses and female artisans to inspire you to follow your passions. Get a free mystery box with a one-year subscription with the code FALLMYSTERY. And be sure to subscribe to the Passionistas Project podcast so you don't miss any of our upcoming inspiring guests. Until next time, stay well and stay passionate.